Welcome to Chapter 2 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Edith Dees, CEO of Capsin and former longtime CIO. In this segment, Dees talks about the unique situation she faced at Holy Spirit, where physicians were ahead of the hospitals in terms of adoption, how she tackled the change management piece during her early days with SMS, and the common thread in all three mergers she led as a consultant. It's really interesting to think about how how it really did um, really change the outlook of the industry, even though a lot of people will talk about stage one really laying a foundation and, and being what so many organizations were already striving for or doing, how you know stage two really kind of ramped things up and uh, uh, I don't want to say took a lot of people by surprise, but really uh, challenged a lot of organizations. And I think it was really good for us to come with the one-two where we didn't have a chance to de-accelerate, that we were still had all our engine themes going. Is organizations typically, again, from my experience, after you do a big deal, you want a break. You want to rest a little bit. Yeah. And if you're thinking there was going to be a rest between stage one and stage two, I think that may have disciplined a lot of people. And stage two uh, was more aggressive than stage one, because stage one, in my opinion, were, were things that were pretty much within the organization's control. Stage two wasn't. I mean, you had to collaborate with competitors in your HIE. You had to support, conjole, encourage your patients to come forward and use your portal and send you emails. And I mean, those are, I mean, it's hard enough to control your own workforce. And now you've got folks that you have no direct influence over. Right. But again, you just, I mean, it's like any change. Why are we doing this? We're doing it to make things better specifically, and everybody that's Im- impacted by it needs to be able to tell themselves that. That's why we're doing this, remind themselves. You know, the HIE, you know, we can cut costs, we can speed care. I mean, that's why we need to do this. We, ever, we all get it, and we're just going to push through and make it happen. Great. Okay. So now... Um Prior to Holy Spirit, you, you had a, also had a CIO role, and that was at St. Mary's? Yes, St. Mary's in uh, Lewiston, Maine. Okay. Well, what uh, kind of time period was that? How long of a length of time? That was 2000 to 2005, so that was five years. And that organization uh, had no clinical systems either. The clinical systems were in the ancillaries, and not even every ancillary uh, Radiology, for example, there was no radiology management system. There was no OR scheduling system. There was no outpatient scheduling system. The electronic health record in our primary care sites were actually required by contract from the new physicians that were being recruited into this area. They would accept a position here if they were supported with a EHR. And I thought, wow, that's, that's impressive. But there was yeah. no corporate vision or mandate for them or anyone else to use it. That's really interesting. That could, could have different outcomes yeah. depending on where you are or who you're working with. Well, it was interesting to me because it, Maine had, I thought, very progressive primary care physicians, right. and much more automation there than the hospital did. And it was interesting to me when I moved to central Pennsylvania, the hospital were so clinical information system advanced, and the practices, very few, were automated. So, it is, I mean, it is interesting to me. Right. Oh, it can be so different mm-hmm. in, from one area to the next. Right. Okay. 
And um, so a lot of your focus there was on uh, replacing those legacy systems? Yes. Well, first of all, I, I guess there was no really clinical clamoring because not every organization embraces change. And, uh, you know, some leaders have more of an appetite for it than others. And it's kind of like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So yeah. there was toying, and there had been for years, well, you know, let's just check and make sure we're not really missing something. Let's let's talk to some vendors. Let's see some demos. And unbeknownst to me, that had gone on for years before I got there okay. about, you know, talking about clinical information systems. But before I left, I made a business case where we could have, we found a solution where we could automate essentially every aspect of the organization and pay less annually than we were for the meager automation we had had for years. So that, I think that was finally the tipping point. So like, okay, well, at least financially it makes sense. We may not get the rest of it, but financially it makes sense. Yeah. I'm sure that that's that often is the key to uh, to things, but finally being pushed through is, is showing that business case. Right. And now before then you spent some time doing um, consulting work? Yes. I worked with uh, immediately prior to uh, uh, St. Mary's. I was with uh, what at then, now it's been so many new names, SMS's outsourcing division, which again, I've just you know, luck would have it. I was really excited to be one of the first employees in that new uh, business uh, division in SMS that was called outsourcing. Uh, I came immediately from being the site executive at Western New York in Buffalo's new uh, health system, the three Mercy Health Systems, Sisters of Charity, and the Diocese Hospital formed a new Catholic Health, Western New York health system. And the Kenmore, formerly Mercy, had purchased a, or made a long-term commitment with SMS to bring in Envision and outsourcing for, I think it was a 10-year, seven to 10 years, I think it was a 10-year agreement. So uh, that was pretty exciting. Uh, in the meantime, the health system was forming, Western Health of New York, when the rest of them, did not have the same long-term relationship with outsourcing or SMS that Mercy did. So it was interesting how that unraveled, how, uh, how the merger and the acquisition, it was more of a merger, how these three independent systems formed one new, I mean, executives changed, uh, CEOs, like directors, I mean, how many VPs of nursing do you need in a new health system? How many CFOs do you need? So we went through all that, and plus, from an IT point of view, I mean, we don't even want an outsourcing thing here. We we want to manage our own here. The Sisters of Charity was the more dominant um, organization. It was much larger. So like one flagship, Mercy had two fairly good-sized hospitals, but Sisters had the biggest, uh, which was, and their CIO was the system CIO. So they had one product from SMS, and the Mercy Health Systems got a different product running on different platforms, different functionality. So, I mean, it was just all fascinating how it all meshed out and uh, became the new health system system. Right. And what was, what was your primary role in, uh, in all of that? I was managing 
primarily the Mercy, former Mercy Health Systems, and working with the IT Council and the executives, because the executives brought in uh, Kinsey to help them sort things out too, because they were doing all this while the ballot budget amendment was just, you know, killing New York hospitals. So yeah. whatever they had to do, they had to get some immediate return and, and release because it, it was a very tough situation. So I was there doing everything I could to support, you know, creating the new vision, the new structure, the new organization, um, do, you know, get the efficiencies we could get, the best practices we could get, and get clear on what they wanted from the former Mercy IT folks, how, how can we help? How can we help you support the strategic vision of the new organization? So I worked with the staff, and of course, you know, anytime you get a, a, a situation, a, a merger or an acquisition like that, everybody has so much pride. I mean, you know, it's like they said, you're killing my baby analogy and what they've yeah. done and what they've accomplished. It's hard to let go and say, but, you know, whatever those successes are that brought us here, we we can use those skills and talents to take us somewhere else. I mean, just let go of it. Let's move on. So it's working with the staff and helping them get on board. Okay, I can imagine um, really a lot a lot of valuable takeaways from that that I'm sure you uh, were able to to draw upon um, later in your career. Oh yes. Well, I feel like everywhere I've been, it's just every opportunity has been unique and invaluable. Yeah. Sure, then that's probably one of the really interesting things about being in this industry. Yes, it's changing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and well, and it's the thing, too. Everybody says, well, we're different. Well, actually, they are different. I mean, you're all hospitals under the hood, but everybody's got a different approach, a different mindset, a different vision, a different, you know, culture, different leadership style. Right. And, but I can imagine that, uh, you know, having that experience with that SMS, that's something that you really saw firsthand and had to, you know, go through that, the, the process of uh, working with different, different personalities, different agendas, different egos, and trying to, you know, create one strategic vision. Well, the outsourcing is interesting to me, just a whole sense of outsourcing. And the two organizations I worked with, the three, I worked in Denver Health and Hospitals, uh, Tulsa Regional, and Catholic Health System, Western New York. And all three of them, they had such difficulty stabilizing IT leadership that they needed some outside help. Mm-hmm. They needed somebody, a vendor, help us. We, we have too many strategic initiatives hinging on IT, and we can't get permanency in our leadership, and we, we can't get done what we need done if we don't have some consistency in our leadership. So that's what outsourcing brought. It brought uh, some outside perspectives. It brought stability. It brought methodology. It brought, um, you know, ownership and accountability. What I liked about it is you had 100% executive support because they finally said we need help and we're willing to pay for it. So you still had that consultant glow, I guess, if you will, that people were thought maybe you had something to offer when you could, they'd hear it the first time, which was, I really like that. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned before that you started out um, as a nurse, and uh, how long was did you do that? I only did that a couple of years. Okay. I worked in intensive care. I liked the challenge. I liked the uh, 
you know, be on your toes. You have to, it is a mental as well as physical challenge, an emotional challenge. And if you will, a little technical because everybody is rigged up to some to one or many monitors and each alarm and tone and blip meant something to me. So, I mean, I get that and uh, I get alarm fatigue and it's got to be meaningful data. It's got to be actionable. And, uh, you know, I can talk the talk. I, you don't, when I uh, went to SMS, when I, because before outsourcing, had a, a few years break, worked in a hospital, but early in my career, my first HIT job was an, an installer with SMS. And I felt like I, uh, SMS at that time hired people that speak at least the healthcare language, and they, and they would teach you the SMS language and the IT language. But you had to come speaking one of them, and I came speaking the clinical language. Right. And I understand which even much more, probably way more uh, deeper appreciation as an IT individual, professional than I did as a nurse on how interdependent uh, the different groups are in healthcare. What, what does, where are the handoffs? What do you need from me? What do I need from you? When you're a nurse, you know, when I was a nurse, I just did what I did, and it was between me and the patient, basically. Yeah. That's really interesting. It's really, in having these different roles and different experiences, you really do kind of uh, develop a, a viewpoint that uh, becomes, I would think, really helpful when, when getting, in getting to the CIO role. I think so. I think so. Because, I mean, I have empathy, I understand what you're saying, but we've got to move on, folks. Everybody, unquestionably, our prime objective is to support our community. And so our patients, their families. Uh, I, I love the concept of accountable care organizations, population health. I, I think our current delivery system is, in my mind, somewhat inhumane that we let people get so sick that they have to be hospitalized right. instead of paying closer attention to them, keeping them out of the hospital, keeping them with their family, keeping them at their job, and just keeping them feeling better. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, you know, I think that's what helps with the change, too, is when you tell everybody on the team, you just refocus in your mind, and this is why we're doing this. This is why we all came to healthcare. And now we've got a lot more tools, a lot more uh, opportunity to go to a whole new level than we could ever have imagined before. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.